I'm Eleanor Zeichner. I'm the Assistant Curator at UTS Art and I'm speaking with Armando Chant, the curator of the exhibition Fit for Purpose. Fit for Purpose brings together international designers and collectives whose work is driving change through explorative, sustainable, ethical and collaborative practices. The six designers and collectives, Bethany Williams, Congregation Design, Elisa Van Julen, Helen Kirkham, Joint Collective Clothes and Matthew Needham, embrace techniques of deconstruction and recycling as conscious components of an ethically-led design practice as well as proposing new approaches to manufacturing and distribution and imagining fashion as a force for social change. Curated by artist, designer and lecturer in the UTS School of Design, Armando Chant, the exhibition includes unique garments and shoes, process samples, patterns and sketchbooks that illuminate how these designers are rethinking how we design, make and wear clothes. Let's begin by talking about the curatorial premise for the exhibition, Armando. Why was it important to have this exhibition now? Uh, thanks, Elena. Um, it's actually quite interesting because when I first started thinking about the idea for this exhibition, um, I had a number of designers I actually wanted to go and visit and see. And I went to London to visit a number of the designers. And, and whilst I was conducting these shall I say, these meetings or interviews or, or talking to them about their practice, uh, what I realised what was really important in amongst all of this is that here was a, a group of young designers who are part of a very substantial and important movement towards highlighting uh, sustainability for young designers, for young people, and how young people and the population at large can engage with sustainability in a way that is contemporary, that is creative, that is led in led from a socially conscious point of view. Um, one of the things as a lecturer I'm very aware of is that there is a, a deep and fundamental interest from the students and from young people in general um, in terms of engaging with sustainability and sustainable strategies. But it can be a very overwhelming task. It can be, you know, when you look at the field, um, it's a very complex arena. And in many ways to be 100% sustainable is incredibly difficult. So a lot of, you know, it does put a lot of people off from engaging with that platform, unfortunately. And what I found inspiring by these designers and these kind of collectives was the fact that they were engaging with sustainability from a very personal point of view and a very youthful point of view and actually demonstrating that it is possible to be a sustainable designer are an ethically conscious designer and also have a very forward-thinking design practice at the same time. So that really formed the foundation of the exhibition. I'm hoping that we can talk a little bit about each of the design strategies and concepts employed by the designers. 
Um, and I'm wondering if you could start by talking about Helen Kirkham and um, why it is that she use, uses recycled materials for her footwear in the way that she does. Yeah, I mean, Helen actually is, is an she has this incredible creative practice. Um, we always think about sustainability in terms of garments. And by garments, I, I, I usually mean, you know, as examples, we think of dresses or jackets or, or shirts or those kind of things. But Helen is actually a footwear designer and in particular a uh, specialising in the arena of trainers or sneakers. Um, so for her, I think it's incredibly amazing the impact that she's managed to make because trainers and sneakers you know, they exist within this arena of exclusivity. You know, there are limited drops of styles, of colours, of brands, of, you know, collaborations with celebrities or sports stars. And it's all about the new and the limited and the bespoke. And what's interesting about Helen's practice is that she has a practice of upcycling where she takes trainers that have been discarded because they've either worn out or you can't use them anymore and creates these incredible bespoke um, trainers which are absolutely unique. And what she does is she, she sources a lot of the material from uh, recycling centres in London. Um, she only uses odd shoes, so never a pair because the pair can actually be donated to charities and NGOs. So she only uses single shoes and then she deconstructs those shoes and reforms them. So the final shoe itself could consist of pieces from Nike, from Adidas, from LS, from all kinds of different high-end uh, streetwear brands and the combination of these the way that she combines them and then it, it's a process she's called it a process of hacking and remastering when i make a shoe i start with the recycled components so i usually take them clean them enough that they are clean but not so they lose their character and then kind of slice everything up into its component parts, really try and keep the pieces as authentic as possible so they have still the stitch lines, I'm not cutting anything away, and then kind of create a lay plan of all the bits. Grab a last and just start putting it back together, essentially. It's like a puzzle. Which I really love that idea of deconstruction, seen as this process of hacking at a, a form, a shape, to reveal its inner workings and then remastering those components into a new and bespoke piece. Um, so she has her own practice where she does that. But what is also wonderful is this very unique way of looking at creating something new and bespoke has been really latched onto by mainstream industry. And she now collaborates with brands such as Timberland or Adidas to do limited editions that are based on sustainable approaches and how those brands can integrate sustainability within their production. And I love the idea that um, she's taking these discarded or disused 
um, pieces and giving them new value, you know, like she's giving them this really comfortable value that really instills them with a new mastery. Um, yeah, and I think it's what's interesting across the board with um, a lot of these designers is this focus on value, this focus on, you know, when we throw away a pair of trainers because we've used them, um, what are we actually, why are we throwing those away when they can be used in a different form or they can be valued in a different way by taking something that is worn or has been thrown away because it has been seen as valueless and then creating something with an immense amount of social, cultural, but also physical value again is quite an incredible process. And taking off that idea of, um, of value and of branding, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about congregation design and mm. their approach to authorship and if you could talk a little bit about why it's significant that their practice is anonymous. Yeah, I mean, I think um, congregation are actually a fascinating, um, they're a collective and they're quite fascinating in that they really buck the, the fashion system. So they don't produce collections, as it were. Um, they, collect, they produce pieces. Um, they also don't produce work on a seasonal basis. What they do is um, congregation is formed of uh, creatives, designers from many fields. So you have fashion designers, but you have knitwear designers, you have stylists, you have photographers, uh, you have people from all different types of creative fields who are part of it. And what happens is that these people, obviously creative people, uh, many of them, if they have their own brands, they're supporting those brands by having other jobs. So some of them might be very, very busy and they can't contribute. But what Congregation does is that it allows creatives to drop into that system whenever they have the time and create a piece that is personal to them or create a product that is personal to them which really speaks to their own personal aesthetic rather than who they might normally be working for. The other significant thing is that it, it is anonymous. There is no singular name attached to congregation design. Um, we don't know who that team of people are. And, and that team does change on a yearly basis depending on where they, they are in their careers and their life. Congregation. A gathering or collection of people, animals, or things. Congregation is a group of anonymous designers working on one core of research. The designers and artists involved will each deliver a unique and personal translation of the theme. Um, so it is something that goes totally against an established fashion system whereby you usually know the name of the head designer because they usually you know, the star designer, and it goes against the idea of a brand in lots of ways as well. And someone else who's, who is, I guess, bucking the, um, the traditional models of the fashion system is Matthew Needham, and yeah. um, who has had experience, you know, both within and resisting those, um, 
those hierarchical systems. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about his use of material, which is so interesting, um, and how he uses recycled or discarded objects to make couture garments. Yeah, I mean, again, Matthew is quite fascinating in his practice and, and even more so, I feel, because I feel like he really does represent a youthful and emerging point of view and, and speaks from the viewpoint of, of a lot of young people who are either at university or leaving university and really want to engage with fashion and produce fashion but in a way that is totally different to the accepted norm of how it should be made, produced or designed. Yeah. And I think that's so important within the context of the exhibition because for me, when I work with the students and young designers, uh, my thought is that in many cases at that stage in their life, they, they are very much on the edge of the fashion system and by being on the edge you can be radical you can be a, a fashion activist uh, because you're not embedded within uh, a locked-in system and what Matthew does with his practice which he's developed you know both through his degree and his master's which he's just completed is a is a fashion practice that is based on upcycling not only fabric but the everyday things that he sees around him and also a practice that is based around collaboration. Because for me the creativity adds the value back into these objects and materials and that's the skill. So for example for his first collection you know a number of his pieces were created by using things around him one piece that was in the exhibition was a, a jacket, a red and black jacket, um, which was actually made from a, uh, a supermarket shopping trolley. <laughs> I um, love that work. Yeah, and, it, and people look at it and I remember showing people the work and they, they would never guess that it had been made from that. Um, and then another piece, there was a, a skirt and it had been made from uh, salvaged plastic from the North Sea from a visit he made whilst away. So it's very much looking at how there is intrinsic value within the everyday, within the things that are around us. And the only things that are limiting us is our own, shall we say, creativity. If we are creative, we can make garments, we can make fashion from anything that we see around us. Um, and I think that's what's so special about the way he views fashion and the way he uses the materials that he finds. You brought up the idea of fashion as a form of activism. And I wanted to, to switch to talking about Bethany Williams' practice and yeah. um, how she ensures that there's a social impact um, for the work that she makes and for the communities that, we sh that she works in. Yeah, I mean, I think this idea of fashion activism is really important. Um, I know within the, the catalogue essay that I wrote, I, I had various quotes from Ursula de Castro, who's the founder of Fashion Revolution. We are looking for an industry where the words aspirational and democratic apply both to the end product and its entire supply chain. Mm -hmm. And they've been a very powerful force 
in raising awareness of what happens within the fashion industry and how fashion can be a force for good. Um, I think with someone like Bethany, who is an absolutely amazing individual, kind, compassionate, ethical person, is the fact that she absolutely 100% does not want to engage with the fashion industry unless she is making an important social contribution through her work. So in the number of collections that she's made so far, every time that she has produced a collection, she has worked with a community or an organisation. So to give an example, um, within the exhibition we showcased a, uh, a jacket which was part of the Adelaide House collection. Now Adelaide House is a centre in Liverpool in the UK which functions very much as a refuge for women from domestic violence. So she worked with people there to be able to produce um, the work for the actual collection itself. So as part of Adelaide House Collection, she also worked with women who were part of the San Patrigiano community in northern Italy. It is a drug re rehabilitation centre and they actually weave um, all their own fabric. So they're trained in weaving so that it can provide an income from them after they uh, finish this uh, programme. Um, so she worked very closely with them. And then the, the jersey pieces that she, uh, that Bethany made as part of the collection were actually made alongside women inmates of, the, of Downview Prison in the UK. So all of this to me, when I, when I think of what Bethany does, is very much about social and cultural empowerment of women uh, in society so that they can they, they can grow their ability to contribute to the community around them and also support their their family and friends and that theme of collaboration is really a thread um, throughout if I can use that pun thread throughout the entire exhibition and um, it comes across I think most strongly in the joint collective clothes project and I'm yeah. wondering if you could talk a bit about um, what the what the idea is behind that project and how it's meant to function in the world. Yeah, the Joint Collective Clothes project is actually really interesting because fashion can be very insular and it can be very protective of its um, intellectual property. Yeah. And um, what Anouk Beckers of Joint did is she actually created a modular system of fashion whereby the pattern pieces, which are the shapes uh, which go into making a garment, for example, a sleeve or the front of a garment or the left side of a trouser and that kind of thing, were made to be modular. So what could happen is that these were very generously on her behalf, made to be open source on her website. So anyone from the public can go to the Joint Collective Clothes website and actually download the pattern pieces that she has created in terms of being able to make garment pieces and then for them to be connected. Um, 
Within those pattern pieces, there can also be different sizes and lengths as well. So they can be adaptable to different body sizes and shapes uh, and heights, obviously. And what is interesting about Anuk's practice and joint collective clothes is that they don't actually produce anything themselves. Mm. The garments and pieces that are produced are all produced within the context of public workshops, which Anuk conducts and supplies fabrics for. And the public comes to those workshops and are given a pattern piece, which they create during the, the duration of that workshop. And at the end of the workshop, all of the participants come together and they tie the pieces together to create a trouser or a garment or an outfit and they don't know what each person's actually been working on. And each individual person has their own aesthetic. But at the end of the day, these pieces are tied together. And you've got this wonderful amalgamation of different designs, styles, aesthetics, and looks that come together to create this communal expression of fashion. I love the idea of it being um, that layered effect of all of these different um, people's expressions laid on top of one another um, and that, re that really comes through also in um, the one-to-one -one project by Elisa Van Julen which um, is the last work in the show we're going to talk about uh, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, Elisa's practice and what and what it tells us about um, how clothes are currently manufactured and distributed. It's interesting because, um, and it's actually a really nice one to end on in terms of talking about the designers because it, it brings us full circle back to this idea of an analysis of value and where value sits within the fashion system. So Elisa, I would describe her as very much an, as an experimental fashion designer. Um, she doesn't produce collections or ranges. Uh, what she produces is, in her words, propositions, or also what she says are conversation pieces. So what she makes are pieces that she wants to instigate a conversation around where value sits within fashion itself. Um, a lot of the time, uh, value is placed in terms of the cost of a garment. Uh, when we enter a shop and we buy it, we know how much we pay for it. But in actual fact, you know, where does value actually sit? Does it sit within the hands of the maker? Does it hit, sit within the, the value of the actual fabric itself? Does it sit in terms of the creative idea of the person who designed it or thought of it as well? So she really questions what we are buying when we are buying clothing and where we should position value. And she is interested in the fact that she actively collaborates with a lot of fast fashion companies to really explore where that value sits within their brand itself and critique it in many ways. So what she has done in the past is in some projects she has worked with a number of different companies and she's taken the same garments so as an example a, a sweatshirt 
and then she has cut it up and re-spliced the different pieces of the sweatshirt to create one. So within one sweatshirt, you have three different brands, but it speaks of an individual garment itself because it becomes unique. So she's creating the unique from something that is mass produced. Another project that she did, which was featured in the exhibition, which was the one-to-one -one project, was where she took garments and then rolled ink over the top and then used that uh, to print on top of other garments by layering them on top of each other and applying pressure. And what this did is that it created an imprint of that garment on the other garment, on the base garment as it were, and it revealed the sense of materiality and detailing and the, the, the unique aspects of that garment. So what we would normally see as a generic gray sweatshirt suddenly became very unique because it revealed construction methods, it revealed materials, it revealed stitching and also the, the structure of the actual fabric itself as well. So it was a really nice revealing of what fashion actually is and where value is placed. Let's end by talking about the future. Um, what impact do you hope that the exhibition had while it was up and continues to have now that it lives online, um, both for the visitors who experienced it in person, for the young emerging designers that you teach in fashion and textile design and anyone who might be experiencing it for the first time online? It's a really hard uh, question to answer, actually. But mm. I think for me, the intention or my hope for the exhibition when I was thinking about it and, and wanting to put it together is that it would have a significant impact for the community at large. I didn't want it to be something that was exclusive in very many ways. And what I felt the impact was is that we did have many groups of people coming through, particularly students um, who were starting their studies at the university. And what I wanted to do in a lot of ways is reveal different ways of practicing fashion that was socially, ethically and responsibly based and demonstrate that actually there is an enormous future for those people who want to dedicate themselves to fashion and engage with fashion in this way. One of the things that happened during the duration of the exhibition was that, you know, I gave a talk to a group of students and um, afterwards I went up to where the studio spaces are and one of our students actually turned around and, and said to me, she actually said thank you for, for speaking to them and for organising the exhibition because even though she had just started studying fashion, she was very doubtful as to whether she wanted to engage with fashion because of, um, you know, the, the ethical aspects of a lot of what fashion does and represents. And she was very thankful that we had highlighted these practitioners and the possibility for 
fashion designers to make a significant contribution to society, to culture and to the environment as well. And it really gave her a new passion for fashion in very many ways. And I think that alongside many other things was a real highlight for me. Um, you know, there were some great other highlights in terms of, you know, we did an in-conversation as part of Art Month uh, within the gallery space, talking with um, other artists and architects and general audience as well. And that was incredible. That was an amazing experience to to talk with people from different disciplines and understand how they viewed this more ethical and responsible responsible approach to creativity as well. Um, so hopefully it has had that impact that we wished it to have and um, hopefully it will continue to have that as well. I hope so too. Thank you Armando so much for such a beautiful thoughtful exhibition. Fit for Purpose was shown at UTS Gallery in February and March 2020. More information on the exhibition is at art.uts.edu.au. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.